Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, who was also born in a manger but doesn't go on and on about it, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? <laughs> doing good. How are you, Rich? Yeah, well, I was going to say not bad. Um, I'm I'm a bit poorly. I, I kind of uh, contracted COVID just, just before Christmas and uh, still suffering some of the effects of that. Uh, Although it didn't stop me getting along to the Preston game, which was a which was a treat on many levels. Uh, so yeah, I, I, poorly, but probably not poorly enough to have time off work if we if we were in a period of time when working was happening. But thankfully, it's not. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Oh, you you but you, you we uh, sort of later on in the day, and that that's why I think it's fair to it's um if anybody has any expectations of. Uh, of episodes from us at this point as uh, occasional podcasters uh, might have expected our our midway our mid-season review slightly earlier but that's uh, yeah we postponed uh, to try and get past my my uh, my my vid uh, but uh, still in the midst of it just a week later <laughs> <laughs> but a good festive period for yourself it it was all right yeah i i spent uh, there's a a friend, a couple of friends of mine, couple um, called Chad and Christine, who I I met at a disc golf fun tournament, and um, we played a lot of disc golf and ate a lot of food. It was great. I had Chinese food on Christmas Day. Did the whole Jewish Christmas thing. That was fun. Nice. You know, got to uh, got to um, bring in celebrate the birth of Christ also by um, ordering McDonald's to be delivered at lunch. Oh, excellent! So there we go, and had a had a roast beef dinner on uh, Christmas Eve, which. Uh, so take takes takes me back. A great many culinary delights there for you. It's been good. It's been good. I've been uh, been enjoying the food recently. Good, good. Um, well, where I mean, I got my COVID in uh, in Las Vegas, where uh, I was I was enjoying the ridiculous buffets. I went to a couple of those towards the end of my uh, my stint over there, and it just quite fun coming back with like some dim sum, some roast beef. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some seafood it's uh you know it's a real smorgasbord uh an overwhelming smorgasbord for you although i, I i'm someone with a nut allergy and i the first one i um the chef was sort of taking me through what i was allowed and what i wasn't what i so he's like mainly fixated on the dessert station he's like can't have this there was some like hawaiian cake and i was like that looks like almonds i'm okay with almonds he's like it says tree nuts so i wouldn't have that um like it's a pretty stern dude and he's like you're fine with all the savory stuff and then the first station i went to had a um a dish that was pecan uh chicken i was like okay so i can't believe a word you've just said thanks for that uh, <laughs> i wanted to believe in him so much but uh yeah i really couldn't end up having to sort of pick my way through but anyway there we go um so the idea with the the bulk of this episode or these the maybe these episodes uh, depending on how we go um mm. is to do one of our sort of comprehensive run-throughs of the whole squad uh everyone that's played some minutes for wednesday this season so far uh run the rule over them give them a school type grade um and uh and share some thoughts on on how they've done so far and then also give a grade to the new manager as well i think we 
sort of effectively put the Cisco era to, to bed in some ways uh, with our our uh, episode on on Rails uh, appointment. Um, but before that, we just both felt that we well. To, uh, let me just say, Rich, that I've I've written I've written some more things about Shishko Munyov, so we can uh, okay okay we can so go back. I mean, nobody nobody should be left out, right, Rich? Fair enough, absolutely fair enough. So. Give, will will Mr. Munoz be getting Munoz be, be getting a grade along with the uh, the other boys? Oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Apologies. I should. You should never assume. One should never assume. Mm-hmm. It's a bad um, out of you and me. Exactly. Um. But we just thought uh, we both sort of um wanted to just make mention of the fact that someone in the kind of uh Wednesday family um who's touched a lot of people's lives um has has passed away uh, recently and we just want to sort of mark that a little bit and and share some thoughts um so we're talking about uh beastie do you want to sort of head up lead off with um thanks yeah um beastie is i you know someone who i'll be honest i've, I've never met i've seen him at um um i feel like i've seen a couple of wednesday away games him with his him with his daughter holly who he you know they both go along and um so even though I've not met him, um, I, I guess I feel like possibly a lot of people. I think he's as there's been a lot of tributes pouring in for him. Um, he is someone who has touched a lot of people, and I feel I I feel like I'm I'm one of those people. And uh, as, as touched, I was very very uh, kind of affected by the news of hearing that. So um, I, I guess kind of going back, you know, I remember kind of back in being very much in the throngs of my Wednesday fandom before I, I left for Canada. And I, I feel like there's a lot of kind of periods that we talk about that me and you have as as Wednesday yeah. fans. And we we kind of differ and ebb yeah. and flow, but share that kind of experience in different ways of be, people being certain ages, having certain memories and certain periods. Um, but like the big thing was kind of for me, I think it was... I can't remember the platform, whether it's Owls Alive or it's Owls Online. It's one of the platforms. But anyway, yeah, Beastie would do his away post-match kind of recaps. And it'd kind mm. of be like a blog about his whole experience from like start to finish, the beginning of the day. And all the way through to the end of the day, the experience of the game as well. And it yeah. was just, I thought they were just incredible. It was just brilliant. Um just just really captured his who I think he is. Yeah. His heart, his character, his humor. He seemed like he very much like in his um in I think there was a, a Twitter post which was I imagine very much from from his daughter Holly on his account, just giving the update that he passed away over the Christmas period. And um kind of really recapped that he's just very much a larger than life person and someone who sound like felt like he had a very very big heart for a lot of people yeah. so you just got that from these um away day match recaps and they were just they were just very funny they were very engaging you could tell the passion that he had for wednesday and just just very very honored and very glad that he shared those with us because it just it was they were very very sweet and lovely and just added to this fanaticism that we have for this football club so that was yeah. it. I also remember and recall him being on. He's been on the Wednesday week as well. I've, um, listened to a few episodes of him, and yeah, just a, a huge, a huge character in this the Wednesday kind of fan universe, really. 
just being a fabric of the yeah, absolutely. and just known yeah. about. And I remember hearing the news about his uh, diagnosis, and that was left me deflated for an hour or two. And mm. then, um, yeah, I think it was Boxing Day. I just logged on to Twitter. I saw, I saw one of our people we follow who um, follows our podcast and listens, says some incredibly nice things, Aaron Johnson, who's mm. uh, very, thank you, Aaron. Um, he just kind of comments, a sad to hear the news about Beastie. That was the first tweets I saw on the our Twitter account, which I sometimes, you know, barely log into just to get yeah. a feed of of Wednesday, Wednesday stuff through there. Um, and I and then I just kind of found out more, found out he passed. And um yeah, I posted about someone else talk, but I yeah, I just I was reading that on the bus um in Calgary and I just uh yeah, I shed a few tears. Yeah, pr- absolutely. Pretty, I, I, pretty emotional right now, if you can't tell. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And now similarly, I mean, I, I um my period of kind of going from, you know, just sort of following Wednesday to being a very active fan, um, coincided with a pretty crappy period of time where I was living down in Swansea, um, working for the Welsh Development Agency. And uh uh whilst not a job I relished in any way, um, we did have pretty unencumbered access to the internet and I stumbled onto two hours online and um and and Beastie was definitely one of the chief contributors and uh it was a big, big part of my getting engaged with that particular Sheffield Wednesday team under Paul Sturrock. Um and had a couple of bits of back and forth uh with the man himself but also yeah loved the rambles uh, getting lost uh, following his sat nav uh, all, all all around the country um but great at sort of capturing that vibe of of I think away days are very special I think we sort of talked about that during lockdown almost more than going to home matches you met that sort of kind of uh, special camaraderie of of away days um was was really captured beautifully and um yeah as you say just seemed such a such a big hearted um beloved chap uh, so his online presence seems to have echoed that and touched a great many more people than he sort of did it face to face as well um so very very sad to 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 hear the the news and, and obviously shockingly quick that uh, we got to the the point of uh, him passing away on, on um so yeah, thoughts thoughts to um, those who who knew him best, but also we've all uh, we've all lost a little bit. Um, uh, so yeah, we just wanted to sort of mark that at the top of the uh, the podcast. So um, yeah, we should uh, we should motor along though. We should <laughs> uh, we're now going to uh, do goofs and spoofs about these these football players. Um, so yeah. it's a bit of an odd space to start from. Um, we like to pick odd ways to work our way through the squad of <laughs> players um we've done this in many different ways previously um my uh idiosyncratic way i've decided we've decided to go for it this time is um by uh alphabetically by first name in reverse order uh for the players which uh which means we tick off with some kind of like middling uh, underused players maybe players we've seen not not so much and then we build to a a crescendo of some of the uh, the, the most co- most commonly picked players the the most common uh, performers for the team um so um i do have minutes and appearances figures but i think they're a little bit behind the time so we won't slavishly follow those but in taking things in this order means we start off with uh, Big Willie Volks. 
Big Willie Volks. He's number four, isn't he, Rich? Do you have the squad numbers? He there? is number four. I okay. do have the squad numbers. Yeah, I can give you squad numbers if that's helpful. That would be good because I've done my analysis by that, did my writtens. Nice. Let's start with Will Volks. What a great place to start. Um, so football is full of champagne turnarounds, and maybe we've seen the home bargains baby sham equivalentness in front of our eyes. Yes, those absolute jokers who run what calls a transfer policy or football club nearly send Big Willie Volks to the lesser-tiered Coventry in a potential move to League One top six clodders Derby County. All of this seems strange as we know his industry could be added to a midfield free in an area where we're pretty limp, and I'm glad we got to see Danny Roll employ him. All of this came to head in the Blackburn game where he covered more ground than the Mars Rover. It is also super gratifying to see him adding some quality to set pieces and still wanging in some long throws. Is he good enough to be setting this league alight? Not really, but if he can set alight the mini league of shites, copyright Richard Miller, at the bottom <laughs> of his championship, <laughs> then that is all that is asked and needed for him this season. He lodges and scrapes a B. Nice. Yeah, I I mean we've 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 spoken at length about Will Volks, uh obviously being the soundest lad. Um and uh, of you know, we continue to see evidence of uh, of that on and off the pitch. Um he's you know, he's he's involved, he throws himself with gusto into all of the kind of community and charitable work that the that football clubs do which is really lovely to see um and shows that um alongside having a big chopper he's also got a big heart um <laughs> he, he gets he gets stuck in in and off the pitch doesn't he rich that's what he you're saying does, he does yeah um I'd, I'd love there was a YouTube comment. We maybe talked about this previously, but there was a YouTube comment under one of his things where he was, uh, there was a video, uh, a club video where he was uh, speaking Russian. And there were, and somebody underneath was like, speaking Russian and dancing, <laughs> dancing with his knob out. He's a real Renaissance man. Um, but, um, but yeah. <laughs> In terms of this season, he did look like a bit of a forgotten figure, didn't he? As you say, like, we he was very close to the exit door, um, which was strange because I think for both managers, he, from what I know of his qualities, he seemed like a really obvious choice to to be part of that midfield. I think if you're playing a two, it simply has to be Volks, really. Um, he's the only one that's got that kind of defensive discipline to, to make that work. Um, and so to see Munoz completely reliant on Byers and, and, and Bannon in a two um, and consistently failing with it. Um, and that, or, or I think he even went to Backinson more often than than Volks. You know, it was really a, a, quite a strange uh, mm. number of choices. Um, and and Roll started not playing him as well, but he he's found found his found his way with him. Um, I, I prefer us to play a three. Um, and I think Volks is a vital part of that. But if we do play the occasional time where we play a two in midfield, it has to be him because, um, yeah, he he he, he helps the defense so much more than anybody else. Um, the other thing is, this is a it's a minor thing. He's just that little bit taller. He wins headers. Byers and ba Bannon's really tiny, but Byers oh. is not that big, and he tends yeah. to get sort of bullied in in the aerial uh, exchanges in mid midfield, which happen more often than you'd like, I think. So yeah, I think a B is a really good uh, a good point. I I think possibly by the end of the season he will have earned a, a better grade than that. I think because he's taking more set pieces, he's obviously got some ability with that as well. Um, 
so uh, yeah, yeah, good good call on the on the B. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, used more, seen more than we ever thought possible. Uh, next up is number nineteen, Tyreek Backinson. Tyreek Backinson, yeah. Um, possibly the greatest conundrum we ever came across in the Munoz era was the strange inclusion of Tyreek Backinson. That isn't a damning word against Tyreek, just a weird oversight on the other options who were available. I still think there's a footballer there, and here's a radical hot take. If you're sitting down for this, then you'll want to stand up. And if you're standing up, then you'll want to sit down for this. He is a footballer. He is being paid to do that, even if he doesn't make the squad. I hope he has some opportunities to remind us of his qualities there. If not, then I hope he can go on loan or go on to another opportunity that is maybe a better fit for him. He gets a token C. Fair. Token C is fair. Yeah, I mean, Munoz really seemed to like him. He was squeezing him in mm. all over the place. He played left wing in one of the games under Munoz. Um, and not, it didn't do terribly, to be fair. But um, he is he's incredibly frustrating because in terms of having all the physical gifts... Uh, needed to be to succeed as a a decent level footballer you know he's he's got a bit of a turn of pace he's tall he's strong um he can shoot you know he, he seems to whenever he plays for the under 23s he seems to bag a couple of goals um so yeah i mean i that it should work but it just doesn't and uh case in point you know he had a great cameo appearance uh against Preston came on and sort of drove drove us forward a couple of times, which is great for relieving some pressure and burning some of the time on the clock. But you wouldn't want... He, there's a good possibility he has to start the next game. I don't expect a performance from him in the next game because mm. it's the classic one. We've seen so many of these players through the years, but they look okay from the bench and you're like, okay, good. You did that for 15 minutes. You get to start the next game, and then they do nothing at all um, in that next game. And he's he's been one of those throughout his time at Wednesday. Mm. Um, I think I think we're seeing the the the, the limitations to him. Uh, we've seen we saw them last season. We see them this season. There's a reason he was allowed to leave his previous club, and I think it'll be similar reasons to why he'll be allowed to leave this club. Um, so yeah, see see's fair. Not damning, but not uh, nothing particularly praiseworthy either. Um, another sort of conundrum uh, is number thirty-three, Reese James. Mm, so I did write this in certain order, so I'll just give a bit of precursor to the preamble okay. here. So I said, "What's that? I have another cast aside left back to review." For fuck's <laughs> sake! Okay, I'll try and give some energy that probably rivals how many little minutes James has graced the Sheffield Wednesday first team so far this season. I cannot ultimately control and see the Marvin Johnson review and control and veer out of my mouth like some vomit, but weirdly enough, it kind of feels like a shop's own brand version of the Marvin Johnson cornflakes. Cast aside, <laughs> le- cast aside left back, not a messiah, but definitely not a naughty boy, weirdly out on his own while we play for me at left back. Yeah, that's about it, but the flair that comes with Marvin Johnson on the front of the Marv Crispies box, giving us a cheeky wink in his elf costume, means James is not even a mascot for his own copy. I think there might be options to see a bit more of him, though kind of understand we have better options. He gets to see. Yeah, absolutely fair. I think it's we've not seen enough of him to say he's not really made the step up, I don't think, but mm. uh, he's really in danger of falling into that gap uh to, to an extent um 
he's had some good appearances. Some bad. His, when he got the odd chance under Munoz, he wasn't very good. Um, whether that was just not feeling comfortable in the system or whether it was just rusty because he hadn't played very much. Mm. Um, he's had the odd good appearance under Roel, but he's, his injuries seem to have held him back from yeah. making more of those. Um, I think that we it's damning of him that Famuo is the preferred option when he doesn't necessarily look comfortable in that role, but obviously there's other factors that are playing into him getting that getting the nod there. Um so um yeah, I think uh I think your assessment is is fair. Uh I'm a bit dis I'm a bit sad about it, Reese James, because he was so good last year. Um and of all the people that I thought would be a kind of mainstay going into this new season i thought he'd yeah. be up there and it just hasn't happened yeah. Um, yeah it seemed like the opportunity for him to kind of kick on and kind of cement a place and become part of that that's um trans transmogrification of seeing wednesday's league one side hopefully going into yes. the championship side i'll be interested to yeah. see i don't know there's, it seems I, I think there's probably a lot of these characters that i'm going to kind of talk about um i did i did this writing about 10 days ago in preparation yeah for- um, so there's probably a few small points maybe to be added. I think there's one player I think we'll get on to. I, yes, there is one player we'll get on to, I think has since been very seriously injured and we won't see again. Um, okay. I think that's Buckley, isn't it? Is Buckley? Yeah. 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 So when we, we get onto him, I think that's something to add, but there's a weird nexus right now. It's almost like a Schrodinger's box of, are they not good enough or are they injured? Yes, and there's a lot we kind of don't hear, but I did see a kind of a Twitter post about a list of injuries, which some of them I'm imagining like, yeah, that's probably why I haven't seen them, such as Michael Smith. But then uh, yeah. you don't really hear so much about the kind of injury. It felt like it was something more kind of yeah. conscious upon in previous regimes. Like we, we always know we have like injury problems, but there just isn't the kind of focus on it right now. And I don't know if like, yeah, what the, what the kind of mentality behind that is. Maybe because Darren Moore got fairly pilloried about the te- the 10 days, two weeks thing about lots of players, you know, couple, 10 days away to, and then you, it would be three months. So yeah, maybe it's just the preference of the current medical team is not to give too much detail. Cause you don't want to get people's hopes up unfairly and people all it won't make any difference whether they appear quicker or not um i don't know um yeah the the other thing with james although we're just about to speak to somebody that maybe goes against this idea but i i think definitely under munos um and i get the feeling under roll as well um they just like having big lads at the back uh which is very much a kind of modern you know the modern fallback more or less, looks like a centre-back, don't they? Um, you do get teams that look like they've got four six-foot-pluses across the, the back line. Um, and I think, particularly when Royal started, you had Patterson at right-back and you had Famuo at left-back. Um, and it, it made for quite a formidable <laughs> bunch of uh, bunch of lads uh, in terms of the the height and and um, and potential sort of aerial prowess. And obviously, Reese James loses out on that. He does better that he punches above his weight uh, or height because uh, he's got very good technique. But uh, you 
can't get away from the fact that he's not he's not the the tallest player. Um, and I do wonder if that's part of it. Is push comes to shove, they just like having another person that can take a take a big player at a set piece and things like that. I don't know that that that's going to play against him occasionally. I think. Um, so next up, which does go against what I've just said, is uh, is Paul Valentin, who is number fourteen. Number fourteen, Paul Valentin, the first of the two foreign fullbacks who came in in the summer that I will be reviewing is a guy who I almost want to call Paul Valentine. Paul, <laughs> Paul Valentine would be a tedious Steve Coogan character who he workshopped and then scrapped. Anyway, <sighs> Paul Valentin has been a weirdly appealing one-trick player or one-track player. He's got a knack of running with the ball in the wing and causing a few kittens for rival fullbacks and had a big hand in a rare goal for the money off Wednesday. But outside of that, I can't tell you anything about him as a player. He's kind of like a cool and appealing kitchen tool, but one that only decors avocados. It's a C-plus from me. <laughs> now, Rich, am I being harsh? Oh, he is a distinctly limited player, I mm. think. Um, but then we've seen that work in some games, oddly. Uh, there's been a few games where he's kind of had his opposing fullback on toast just with his one thing which is pushing it past his man and running around them um is one trick that he does um uh, <laughs> i don't know that i've given him the credit that he deserves defensively i i thought um he had a pretty tricky assignment against preston and he did his job really really well um stopped crosses coming in or made sure that when crosses did come in they were pretty poor quality um, you know, it had to be a weird thing that his, his opposing man was doing. And obviously they wanted to play down that flank. Um, that was the first thing they did in the first half. So I'm intrigued to see maybe under Munoz, uh, under role, we'll start to see more of a, more of a player there. I don't know. Um, mm. but I think C plus is fair to date. Uh, I've not been blown away by and large. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, but um, also not damning in that the, there's there's room to grow there. There's there's a possibility he can uh, work himself up into something a bit more positive. Um, <laughs> um, a divisive figure up next, number seven, Malik Wilkes. Oh, do you remember when? Um, do you remember when I kind of we started the role episode, and I wondered about whether maybe he could even. I got so giddy and carried yeah. away that maybe he could. Um, be a bit of do a bit of magic alchemy with Malik Wilkes. Um, so anyway, here's the review I, I started writing for Malik Wilkes. <laughs> I sat and stared at the blinking cursor for a good 60 seconds. Mm. I would once again have to talk about Malik Wilkes on the podcast. <laughs> I'd rather not. I don't think there has been a player who's been monumentally disappointed who has monumentally disappointed me on so many occasions. New <laughs> season, same disappointments. He's bad, rotten to the core. Jay-Z once said, What more can I say? E. E. Oh, I thought that was still part of the Jay Z quote at first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jay Z and his flat cap. <laughs> uh, e by gum. E by gum. I'm pushing raps. Uh, <laughs> I'm on streets of Brooklyn, bat bat hat. Um, I I mean, you might have had injury. Injury uh, aside, you might have had your redemption story because he was getting played. Yeah, uh, 
He was getting some minutes under Roll, which I was surprised at. Although I think I think what's Roll really, really doesn't fancy Gregory, does he? Um so he and then with Smith's injury, he's I think also maybe Gregory's been injured as well, but it's hard to tell. As you say, it's a bit more uh, shaded, that side of things, than than maybe we've previously been used to. Um, so we'll obviously, we'll be, one of the last ones we'll talk about is Kadamatri, but he's got his chance out of desperation. Uh, there were just no other options left, and he's he's got his opportunity. And well done to him for, for seizing it. Um, but that opportunity was first handed to Wilkes, and and I, 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 um, I, I wonder how long we would have given him to to try and prove himself or prove himself unworthy uh, had he not got injured, you know, because that potentially could have lasted another two or three games. He's he's quicker than Gregory <laughs> and Smith. Um, that's about all I can say. I think. Uh, He's been massively disappointing on every level. Uh, I, 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 yeah, he is. He is fair. I was dismayed to see him brought back into the fold, um, but we are so bereft of options up top. Um, Fletcher being another one that continuing to get minutes despite really showing no aptitude for the task. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, um, interesting one. Uh, number twenty four is. Michael Smith, smudge, smudge face, smudge face. Again, the Wednesday narrative goes along to Michael Smith, and already we have another option who kind of strikes me like an expensive exercise bike. You know, the one we were super excited to get a hold of and is going to change our life. After a period where we really got into it and started to see some progress, then we suddenly fell out of the habit of using it, and now it gathers dust before being offered online for anyone to pick up for free. The only sliding doors moment here, and this is underwhelming, and as I'm giving a DreamWorks animation personification to a piece of exercise equipment is that we somehow pretended to be out when Derby County came around to take the lumbering bit of kit off our hands. In any season of mild margins, we have to be grateful for big old Geordie Engineering and Michael Smith for his exploits. Three chunky goals, including a sizable brace to get all three points against Rotherham, and he probably finished those two goals with the grace of a CGI exercise bike too. His strange injured absence has been kind of felt has been kind of felt mildly, though, be maybe eclipsed by the coronation of young King Bailey. He has scraped a B minus. Mm, fair. He's uh, we've t- we've spoken to about him previously. He's he's not really been what we were expecting, but then he's been surprisingly good at getting goals. And I think this season's kind of been this like it's not a bad return, really, for the amount of minutes he's played. His, his three know. goals is not bad at all. Um, and I think it's fair to say we've nearly always looked most dangerous when he's played for us uh, until very recently, um, until the sort of recent little run of form. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because I I do wonder whether he might be quite a good partner for Kadamatri if if and when he becomes fit. Maybe we won't see that. Maybe maybe he's uh, another person that's deemed surplus to requirements. That it's going to be an interesting. January, we we could probably uh, spare a bit of time to talk about that uh, later on. Um, so yeah, um, happy to go along with your assessment again. Uh, number eighteen is marvelous Marvin Johnson, who started the season unregistered, went on a little holiday to Dubai, and then has since uh, come back into the fold. Mm-hmm. And how's he? He's come back in a fair fair bit. I think this might be. Uh... 
This might be uh, needs to be updated, and um, hope, I want to see your view on what I I wrote here because this is um, just you know it's it's a it's a few bits ago. In a litany of blunders and fuck ups, then perhaps the mo- perhaps the decision to completely cast Marvin Johnson into exile is perhaps the most beguiling. Granted, Marvin's absence wasn't the biggest aggrandizing chess move against the fans from opponent and comic book villain Dejvan Chansiri. This list of turns starts with the gambits of sacking successful manager and then announcing eye-watering ticket prices for shite football in a northern city in, a ve- in very poor economic times. Johnson being ostracized by the club was probably akin to Chancery picking up a sharpened knife and jabbing it into our neck. It hurts, but probably doesn't affect the collective chess game with Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. Thankfully, now he is back, and it felt a big, sizable gesture when new boss Roll gave a hearty hand slap to Johnson to welcome him back into the fold. He has since been in and around the starting eleven and shown that while he isn't the messiah, he certainly isn't a naughty boy. The reinstatement of the season drove some <laughs> contributions and even bagging a couple of very sweet finishes. Turns out that while he isn't incredible, then maybe you shouldn't throw away the biggest assister from last season. Mm. Chalks up a B in my book. Excellent. Yeah. I'm I might I'm I might be tempted to go a little bit better than, mm. than but um maybe that's where the kind of uh, recency bias comes in. Um uh, it was just very fun seeing that goal against Preston. Just him leading the charge in front of the two quick lads um, in 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 the Saba and Gas <laughs> was, was really impressive, and slotting it away at the near post uh, with a plum. Um, but uh, it's just been so it was so baffling to see him cast out. Um, we don't really perhaps we'll never know the reasons. I mean, obviously the rumours were that one of the rumours was that he was asked to play kind of inside out. Which I do, I don't understand. Uh, kind of inside out winger. Um, but then it's it, it was a nice, easy win for Roe bringing him back in, and I think he's repaid that faith. He's 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 uh, he's really shown his worth. Um, I think he's shown up anybody that sort of said he wasn't really at the level of uh, of the championship. I think he's he is a championship player i think that's that sort of showed in his quality the pre- last year really he was a bit of a cut above um yeah i've been very pleased i, I think i might be tempted to go b plus but not you're not um, but I, i'm happy with the b and kind of uh, give him the encouragement to to keep plodding away down that down that left flank he seems more confident in himself um I think Suze was sort of saying to me that he maybe she doesn't enjoy that level of uh, self-assurance. Uh, but it, it's really helpful when we're trying to sort of persist in playing out from the back. The fact he kind of backs himself one-on-one more often than not um, is a really useful tool to to have for us in terms of building out from there. So, um, yeah, great to see him back. Great to see him showing his worth since he came back. Um, and uh, yeah, look forward to to more from him. Really, I think um, it's if you think he missed out on kind of preseason by and large, uh, he's probably been getting fitter and stronger as as time goes in a way that other players maybe aren't. Uh, so yeah, yeah, more power to him. Um, number twenty is Hecky Michael Ehekwe. Yeah, Hecky. I feel like the biggest casualty in misplaced and forgotten about League One toys is as to live directly in addressing the fate of Michael Ahekwe. I deeply understand the ability of someone to not be on the pitch and then be dreamed dreamed of to be forgotten of some forgotten talents. I know that is a folly and a trap I go into often, 
But I must say the blundering Bambo is one player who's miraculously keeping his place in the side above a Heckway. I can't imagine him to be as worse or as bad as Mr. Diaby. Unfortunately, his squad berth has kind of allowed us to be some unproven hypothesis. A Heckway is the eternal Schrodinger's cat of a 2023-2024 season. From what I know, I can only grant a token C for knowing he's an average defender. Again, mm. written prior to a apparently a very, very good he performance was... away at Preston North End. I would say man of the match, I would probably. Um, uh, it's interesting because I don't know that he's ever not looked good uh, when he's come in. Mm. But he just. But we've got two managers successively that haven't really fancied him that often. Um, and I don't quite know. What, I, again, I don't know whether it's partly a size thing or an age thing, um, going with kind of bigger, younger players. I don't know. Um, a bit more recovery pace potentially, but then if you don't make the mistake, you don't need the recovery pace. Uh, that's <laughs> the Hecke tends to win that first header and make that first clearance, which means you don't need to go chasing back and save the day. Um, yeah, it's in- he's been good. As I say, he's been good when called upon. It's just it's hard to see why he hasn't it hasn't happened more often. And like Roll was praising him, saying how good of a kind of firefighting performance he put on. Um, but I was also thinking, you know, this is meat and drink to him, really. Balls being flung into the box from every angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what you make your life out of as a as a kind of League One defender. You just head everything that moves and just clear the box. Um, I, c- I can only think that will be useful to us in these games where we end up going when we get, we've got a goal lead or, or you know we've got we've got something to hold on to going into the last 10 minutes and we know we're going to be completely under siege I, I can't think of anybody else I'd rather bring on to help us in those situations than, than a heckway um so yeah I think I think sees a fair assessment to to his contribution so far um but then I, I don't know that that's necessarily his fault I think it seems to be no. he just has picked that often to to show more mm. um this is next up is uh Momo Diaby. Mm, I thought this was coming as well. Number 44. Number 44. Momo Diaby, the man whom I actually thought had even less game time than I could possibly recall in his only appearance this season against Preston off and at home. Interesting that we've had those two kind of bookended, yeah, two different performances and two decent performances from those two. Um, so I actually missed that game and then was staggered to realize that he played 65 minutes of football for Wednesday yeah. in the apparently promising start. This was at least three times as much football as I thought he did, Rich. Does that mean I'm writing three times more or less? No. He gets a, <laughs> he gets a token C. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, it looked, he looked all right. He wasn't, it didn't, it was a bit of a, the game kind of fell apart after that. So that when he went off, um, but yeah, fair enough. I think <laughs> um, it'd be interesting to see what we do with him, uh, whether he gets sent back or stays, or because obviously he doesn't have a squad place at the moment. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we manage that situation. Uh, but we've just not seen enough, really, have we, to go on? Yeah. Uh, next up, number two, Liam Palmer. Liam Palmer. If last season was an epic film for the action hero I affectionately know as Mr. Wednesday, then this season is probably some other tedious working actor taking the place of the lead character in a sequel made for TV or even an ill-advised TV series. 
For this, you can think Highlander TV series. Taking out any comical observations and allegories, there has been a bunch of frustrations that I think Liam shares as well. We discovered that following last season, he was playing with a sizable injury, and following his treatment, he has missed a preseason, and we got to see him being horrendously rusty at the beginning of this season. Mm. I feel that following Iortha's recent injury has allowed him to step back into the team anew to show some element of his old self. It is difficult to follow last season, but I'm sure you've heard Elias Morissette's second album. He gets a B- minus for some half-decent moments so far. B minus is good. I think possibly on the generous side, uh, but I, I, yeah, I. It's hard to know how much is the injury, how much is he is a player who's ticked past that um, that all important sort of uh, peak of, uh, of of athleticism that tends to happen around thirty. Um, but he's had more solid performances recently, and I've got to say his. Um, I was really pleased to see him back in a midfield role. Obviously, he did that so well in the uh, Hail Mary Peterborough playoff game um, and maybe less so against Barnsley in the final. Um, but we've not seen it since then. Um, it felt like we sort of un- un- unlocked all this new box of tricks that uh, that Palmer could potentially uh, dip into. And then we've just not been able to see him use it, use these skills. Um, so it was nice to see him come on in a midfield berth and look really solid, show that calmness in possession of the ball and, and picking thoughtful passes, um, maybe a bit of strength to dribble around things. So um, I think he'll earn the grade you've given him and then maybe even better uh, a second half of the season if he's if he's given the opportunities. Um I'd I'd hate to think he's fallen off to the extent that it sort of looked like early doors, and I'd like to think it was to do with, as you say, missing preseason. Um, he came off the back of last season. He did his uh, much publicised uh, ten thousand uh, ten kilometre runs, didn't he? He did he did those sort of almost every day of the summer. So uh, the, he came off the back of being kind of uber fit, probably the fittest he's ever, he's ever been in his life last season and had an incredible year. And then obviously this year came sort of stumbling in on the back of an injury. So uh, it's taken him a little while to pick up, uh, which again, doesn't get easier with age. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what he'll do from here on out. I think, I think Roel will have been pleased seeing what he did uh in that in that in the game against Preston um yeah so well done for uh, a, a a marked recovery to this point and uh excited for for what's to come next because i can see a few goals and things i think there'll be opportunities for him in midfield because well we'll talk about him in a bit but i, I think Bias hasn't particularly performed uh, to 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 the same level and i think a i think Palmer could potentially do that role just as well if not better um so yeah uh, next up is somebody who played a remarkable amount under Munoz and has played a very, very minor amount under Danny Rule is uh, number nine, Lee Gregory. Maybe the delight in seeing young, new Bailey come onto the striking scene is tempered with seeing the sunsetting of our old toy in Lee Gregory. <laughs> and uh, forgive me, listeners, if I'm not exactly getting this correct, as I'm a man who criminally has not seen any Toy Story films. But I believe, just like Andy dropping Lee Woody Gregory and picking up the new shiny new Bailey Buzz Lightyear Kadamateri, highlights a sad failing of the old guard. 
Admittedly, Gregory was weirdly present earlier in the season, and somehow giving a job as the right-hand side of a front-prong free with predictably unspectacular results. <laughs> Not one of Munyov's biggest crimes, but one that seems to be part of the fabric of why he was hustling so impeccably poor as Sheffield Wednesday manager. In current role times, Gregory is seemingly out of sight in the plastic toy Tupperware box and not even discarded on the floor. Judge is a good character, but kindly, flatly, and directly alluded to in German fashion that Gregory is to be forgotten about. Gregory is a sad hangover from his last two seasons. I generally thought he would play a bit more of a role in Sheffield Wednesday's season, but there is probably more nostalgia for our number nine from the last two seasons. I hope he plays a bit more of a part, and thank you for the one goal you scored this season, Lee. He gets a C+. Yeah, fair. Uh, it was. It's been a bizarre season for him because, yeah, as you say, he's just been completely cast aside by uh, by Roll. It, it, it seems mm. um, when I've always felt he's a pretty good foil for a, a strike partner. I think he he made a partnership with Smith work when it wasn't necessarily a natural uh, fit. I do wonder, in particularly in the absence of Patterson, whether he could be a partner for 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 Kadamatri. I don't, but obviously, it's just not the uh, not the way they're they're thinking it currently. Mm-hmm. Um, he played a lot for Munoz, which required pace from him, which he doesn't have and never has had. It's certainly not in a Wednesday shirt. Um, I don't remember him having it at any point in his career, really. Um, so I can't really judge him too harshly for not being able to do things that I never thought he'd be able to do. Uh, I, I judge the person asking them, asking him rather than him. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think that's a fair grade. I'd like to, it'd be nice if we got to see a little bit more from him, but then also he's another candidate potentially to, to move out. I think he might have a value to a, a league one team looking with, uh, with ambition at the championship. Um, yeah. And and I can see somebody like Derby potentially sort of showing an interest in him, and and I think at this stage it'd be sensible to to take them up on that interest. Yeah, um, de- definitely. I mean, if we think about, I, I think there's like people have made allusion to the fact if you look at the squad list, like it's uh, there's very precious space to bring anyone yeah. in. I think we're kind of at max, even if we think about Derby coming back, Momo Derby, that is. Yes. So I. I, I, I don't feel it would be too much of a casualty to let Lee Gregory, and I guess there's recently the news about uh, Backinson possibly being snatched up by yeah. Standard Liège. So for both of those, I'm like, sure, if it if it creates a bit of freedom in the squad, um, we would we really need some, if we get some new bodies in, we'd need them soon. But that's, uh, that's, yes. uh, <laughs> that's another discussion. Yeah. <laughs> um. Next up is uh, the man who put the ball in the Dingle's net. It's uh, number 11, Super Joshy Windus. Super Joshy Windus. Playoff hero, playoff hero and perennial third-tier goal non-celebrator Josh Trumpy Bum Windus has had a fairly quiet toe dip back into the championship bathwaters. I feel like we're still waiting to see if he's quite, put quite enough cold water into his liking, but maybe for Joshy it will never quite be to his liking. To be fair as to Josh, he has seen a strange role in whatever Munyoff wanted us all to see. It also feels like there'll never be a Sheffield Wednesday formation that matches his liking. It just seems to be where there's enough goal and creativity output to judge whether he is successful. He is consistent and surprising as though, so it just seems a little more muted following a pivotal high from last season. Maybe Josh is the perfect figurehead for Sheffield Wednesday Football Club. 
We know what he's capable of, but it crops up nowhere near enough. Some sparkles of magic scrape a B minus for him so far. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, he is, he's a frustrating figure. Um, mm. I think in terms of the surprising that we've occasionally he's pleasantly surprising. And like one of the showings of that was uh, his breakaway goal against Blackburn. Like that's, it showed a kind of pace and things that I don't know that necessarily he, he doesn't show it often enough, even if it is there, that, that pace to kind of break away from defenders and, and set up opportunities. Um, He does lack a bit of killer instinct, a bit of bite. Uh, I don't, I, I struggle with the idea. Well, there's a couple of things really. So I struggle, I struggle with, I think he gets given uh, more credit than he deserves by managers. And and I think Roll is guilty of this as, as guilty of this as anyone. You see it in games, it happened in the Millwall game where you people kind of go, oh, he can, He's a bit like a midfielder. We can play him in midfield. He'll do a job in midfield. He has absolutely no interest in defending whatsoever. And if he's there, he is a body. He doesn't want to win the ball. He doesn't want to tackle. He doesn't want to block. He te- He's a minus defensively. Um, even if you've got into his head that he needs to do it, he his heart is so far from it. It makes it. He actually makes the 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 whole weaker by his presence. I think, and um, so I think that's where you end up with this: the fact he gets given this free role more often than not because you can't rely on him to defend. And then it becomes a question of, as you say, you have to judge that person in a free role on what, how many assists are they getting? Are they are they bringing the ball forward? Are they scoring goals? And I don't think we see enough impact from him to justify his the, the freedom he's given more often than not um it's been the case i think tail end of last season i know he got the pivotal goal in the in the playoff final um but in terms of a complete performance from him newcastle maybe in the cup was the last time i really felt like we got a great 90 minutes out of him or however long he played he just mm. seems to blow hot and cold and mostly cold. Um, whilst being a classy, he's a classy operator. He takes nice touches. He plays nice passes. But like in terms of those incisive things he's there for, it just doesn't, to me, it doesn't happen enough. Um, I I, w- I would take, and I know this is the typical kind of football fan thing, but I would take a hard worker over a gifted shirker nine times out of ten. Um, I know you need the odd talented person to make magic happen. Um, but he he really does frustrate me because I think he's given a lot, a lot of leeway, and I just don't know how often he's justifying what he's what the yeah the freedom he's given, the time he's given on the pitch. Um, he's played a lot of minutes this season despite being injured a fair amount. Um, and his contributions have been minimal by and large. Um, uh, oh dear. Speaking of minimal contributions, number 22 is Jeffrey Hendrick. We come into the J's, don't we? There's some, uh, there's some real few J's. We've got a fair few J's. There's some joy in the J's, I guess. Yeah. The quandary of how much difference does a goal make? A spoonful weighs a ton, says the Flaming Lips. 
And maybe they're getting being slightly overdramatic, but I'm sure if I asked Wayne Coyne if this was intentionally written 24 years for the arrival of Jeff Hendrick to yeah. Sheffield Wednesday on their wonderful opus, The Soft Bulletin, then I f- would think he then he would think I was getting too carried away from a peach of a last-minute equalizer against Leicester. Mm-hmm. Now Hendrick is a poor footballer, and I feel bad for our Irish fans and the Irish people collectively that such a tosh footballer gets picked for international duty. <laughs> He's also making some serious dinero as an employed Premier League footballer, and alas, he has sunk to league-scraping Sheffield Wednesday to start his transition into not being paid anywhere near as much as he does currently. (laughs) So what are the positives here? I find him fairly nimble. I know I just wrote down the plural and then gave only one positive, but there you go. I'm not waiting for Superman, but I'm bugging that he's not completely the gash and isn't (laughs) in slow motion. Maybe we can race for the prize that is survival that, through some mild input from the clodder. Hendrick scores a C minus. And I'd like to take the time to thank you for using Vaseline there, Luke. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I certainly couldn't use jelly, you know. Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't have much to add. He, he's, I mean, again, how much can you criticize somebody for? just being themselves and and being put in situations that they <laughs> like <laughs> we knew what we were signing he's been what we thought we were signing mm. uh at, at some point it's not jeff hendrick's fault that he keeps getting these opportunities it's the person it's the people that are picking him and that's that's been by and large i i mean the leicester was amazing because my heart absolutely sank when we brought i mean it really felt like the depths of desperation to fling on Fletcher and Hendrick um, and hope that something good would happen. But amazingly, it did, thanks to a beautiful, beautifully cushioned uh, Callum Patterson header and a, and a very, very fine finish. It's got to be said, it was it was finished with uh, with some uh, pizzazz by, by Mr. Hendrick. Um, I wouldn't be upset if he went back in uh, January. There's a potential that all of the lone players go back if if we've if we're given the opportunity, and I don't know that I would be upset about any of them going back. What a dream that would be! Yeah. Um, so it's the second of the. Uh, what did you call them? Foreign right backs. <laughs> it's uh, it's number yeah. fifteen, Juan Delgado. And that actually kind of precursors going into my uh, review because actually they're kind of like they are. They're also kind of um, squad squad number. Yeah, Neighbors, yeah. The 14 and 15. They live right next door to each other. So the second new shiny fullback I come to is Juan Delgado. And this is a tough one. Genuinely, I think he is someone who I would have expected more from. And that is not to say that more is something on the pitch that is missing. Well, it is purely because he hasn't been on the pitch uh, a ton under roll. And I guess that's thanks to injury, yeah. I think we realize. Yeah. The fascination with players and the players and manager relationship comes to the argument of either. I don't know what the manager sees in him, or in this case, I don't know what the manager doesn't see in him. I think he is probably a solid enough pro who looks like he has that international touch of quality. Generally, what I've seen and can recall seems fine, but I'm unsure if we'll see any more of him this season. He gets a C plus. C plus is fair. It, I, I felt would... like what yes. I kind of understood and what I felt I kind of patched together from what I've seen of Sheffield Wednesday Football Club this season, which isn't quite as much as 
historically I've seen Sheffield yeah. Wednesday, but there's, there's been a few games I've skipped this season. I, I felt he was under quite a lot of criticism, and I was kind of slightly confused. Yeah. I thought he, he seemed okay. Like, um, I think the only real kind of game I've seen a whole whack of him was uh, the only Sheffield Wednesday game I've seen in the flesh. And yeah. Possibly the Wednesday, first Wednesday game I've seen in Wednesday game I've seen the flesh in about four or five years. Thanks <laughs> to uh, depressing situations. But that was the, um, we saw the Rochdale. Was it Rochdale? That's right. Uh, yeah. Um, no. Mansfield. Mansfield. Forgive me. It was some it was some lower league clodders we played in the cup who we uh, who we miraculously lost to. But I thought in that game I thought he looked quite decent, I'll be honest. Yeah. I um I th- I thought the criticism was 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 harsh because I, I I I feel like he was I mean obviously this is grading on a scale to an extreme, but under Munos he was one of the better performers. Yeah. Um, although I, I appreciate that is like being, you know, well, I don't know. It's not a great praise to send someone's way anyway it's <laughs> um the best of a bad bunch is, is kind mm. of as good as, as good as that that can possibly be but um yeah i'd be intrigued to see him uh see if you know if when he is fit uh, if we if we get to see much of him under under role um which one forgive me I th- I was under the opinion so they both played fullback for us, mm. but I thought when we signed them, one of them was distinctly described as a winger. Can you remember which one it was? I thought I wanted to say it was Delgado, though. Hilariously, the one who looks like he's got the um, quality for that is Valentin. Yeah, Valentin's got that. That's you know you, you've said we've spoke about him earlier in this episode. Like he's very limited, but he does have that going for him. Delgado just seems kind of fairly kind of comfortable all around. Like, I mean, it's it's kind of like, I don't quite know what meat there is to him as a football player, but he doesn't he doesn't look out of sorts on the pitch. No. And he he doesn't look a hundred percent out of sorts in the championship as well, I kind of want to say. It didn't feel like the biggest sin or the biggest weakness from a Sheffield Wednesday side under Munyov. No, no, definitely not. I think there are um, far more people we can add to the Boo Boys list. So it it, it feels a bit it feels a bit um, Sheffield Wednesday fan hysteria. To be honest with you, it feels a bit the spirit of the spirit of you know moaning moaning Northerners where we kind of come from. Having having a shit time watching a shit football team, paying a lot of money <laughs> for it. I kind of you know, and I understand and feel and embody that wholeheartedly, but. Um, it it just seemed a bit misplaced. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. So maybe it was the expectation that we thought that there was going to be more, and I think I kind of feel that as well. I just, I, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I just, I don't, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I'm kind of doing these reviews, and I think they're a bit less. Um, I, I think in the patchiness, I'm kind of applying to my lens on the season, and and just being largely pretty pretty tossed as a season. There's yeah, less yeah. positive qualities to then kind of quantify in my kind of reviews so it's more kind of i don't know what it's it's more like staring at a piece of art and asking what kind of emotions it kind of stills in me <laughs> yeah you know, and it just of- it just it feels with delgado like it just feels it it feels lacking lacking but not in like a, a really terrible negative way like i feel yeah. like um <laughs> he's not as he's not as bad as malik wilkes 
Let's be honest. No, no, that's you know fair. Malik Wilkes is uh, really giving me a lot of shoving a lot of negativity and bad yeah. bad times and bad vibes in my face. <laughs> just chow down on Delgado's kind of like I don't know. It's it's kind of like a visit to Burger King. I'm getting something underwhelming at Burger King. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Be honest, it's like I was yeah. just you know someone would ask you what you had for lunch and you'd be like you'd just completely forget because it'd just be. <laughs> It would just be a, an M&S chicken salad sandwich or something. Yes. You know, yeah. you'd just be like, oh, I did eat that, didn't I? Yeah. I think um, I think another another uh, potential episode is uh, giving, not ju- not giving grades, but giving uh, elements of a of a meal deal to, uh, <laughs> to each of the players. <laughs> he, gets, but, he gets a very limp scotch egg. <laughs> but I like that, yeah. The 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 chicken salad sandwich of Juan Delgado uh will remain a mystery until he, he comes back. I just saw I was looking up, so Delgado was described as yeah, wing wing back slash winger when he signed, and then Valentin was was right back. Right. Um so uh yeah, supposedly he's the one with a bit more uh forward thrust to to mm. things. Um uh, but also saw that he he ha- he had surgery at the end of October. Delgado, Delgado, really? Yeah. Oh jeez. Uh, Could be out for another. It seems like minor surgery because he was back a, a few days later. But uh, yeah, might be might point to one of the reasons he's out. Um, next up is number twenty one, and it's uh, Yaman Buckley. Yaman Buckley. Oh, is it better to be completely dejected about a loan signing? or hopeful and then bitterly disappointed. Such is the quandary that lives across the one-squad-number divide between deadline-day midfield signing John Buckley and his deadline-day midfield signing neighbour Jeff Hendrick. The more to be said about Hendrick a little later, or sooner, depending on how we've attached this in the episode. But let us cast our glances onto the young-faced Mancunian short-off John Buckley, and if only I could use those words nicely, but frankly has been disappointing. He looks cultured and looks like he knows his way around the pitch, but there doesn't seem to be any great substance beyond that to his play. Initial hopes that he would get him back up to speed to be Blackburn's first-team pitcher seem a long way away, and who knows if he might get back to whatever he was before. It's a rotundly average C for him. And just to kind of provide a little bit of insight into this, um, yeah, he's. Um, I've written that prior to kind of finding out that he's having a very... Pretty big surgery, and it looks like it's the 2023-2024 season. Yeah. It's a write-off for him as a professional footballer. Um, if we're going to go with um, the kind of meal deal element, I'd say he's probably that flavor of squares that you didn't particularly want as part of the meal deal. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Very good. Kind of a fruity one, but 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 vague, unidentified fruit. <laughs> you know square, squares, the, the crisp. Yeah. Oh, squares the crisp. I was thinking um, rice crispy squares for some reason. Oh, squares the crisp. Yeah, squares the crisp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, rice crispy squares. I had the great disappointment recently of buying. Um, <laughs> my my local convenience store had a, a deal on with the squares, and okay. uh, the, they do a chocolate one, which is really good. It's got like a layer of chocolate at yeah. the bottom, and then it's kind of like chocolate flavored for the rest of it. And I picked two up from that box, thinking they were chocolate. And I got home and they were just straight Rice Krispie squares. Oh, no. Which isn't the worst thing in the world, but it's dis- very, very disappointing. It's right up there, though, isn't it? It's up there, yeah. 
almost as much <laughs> almost as much as all they have is that flavor of squares that you didn't want it's not the other flavor of squares <laughs> and the meal deal yeah um he's been I, 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 you know don't wish injury on anyone and yeah obviously uh hope uh hope his recovery all goes well um i believe uh danny roll has covered himself in in glory yet again there in being very uh thoughtful with his communications with him uh when his his blackburn team manager has hasn't got in touch at all um so nice uh nice to <laughs> nice to know he seems to be like a a nice dude in uh not just in his public presence but uh behind closed doors as well so that's that's a nice thing to to, mm. to know uh in terms of buckley i thought we had a real you know opening moments of his first appearance i thought he looked like maybe a potentially a real player there um a kind of bannon-esque comfortable on the ball incisive passing maybe he could shoot i don't know um unfortunately he's not really followed up on any of that in a positive sense um really seems very hesitant in terms of making passes uh and then yeah obviously ending sort of ig- ig- uh ignominious any badly uh with uh with the 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 yeah very uh painful looking shoulder injury um it was a strange cameo as well, wasn't it? Because he was just off the bench and then because uh, he was only on for sort of 10, 15 minutes or so in that game. He was sort of off the bench and then injured. Um, yeah, so I think that'll probably be it for him in terms of uh, his Wednesday career. Um, I don't know how these things work, whether that's another person that potentially another... I think we could probably free up the slot in the squad list. I think so, yeah. I think that's how it works. Whether, whether it means we can take on another loan, I don't know. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm so. It used to be quite cut and dry what happened with loans. I don't, it doesn't seem to be quite so obvious in terms of how many you're allowed and how many you're allowed in squads and things like that. So, well, um, maybe there's someone we can just instead of loaning them, we'll we'll get someone else who's shit, who's out of contract, and then we can just be yeah. like, why don't we buy him for the rest of his contract? Yeah, contract. yeah, yeah. So maybe that'll happen, you know. Or maybe we might actually sign anyone who's actually any fucking good for us. Who knows? Who I wouldn't knows? be surprised if we saw a few more deals like what we did for Masaba and Kasama, where we kind of have seemingly offered like a really big um, percentage of of any profit we make on a sale, a future sale. Um, to but but we take the player permanently, so they're not a loan. But in many ways, it, it probably feels quite like a loan to the to the parent club. Mm. Uh, um, so yeah, we might see a few deals like that. Uh, next up is number eight, Georgie Byers. Georgie Byers. Georgie Byers. Sergeant George Byers reporting for duty yet again okay. in the league. He is probably quality enough for, and largely has been pretty fine considering some of our misgivings. Again, the weight of the half season and money off ball has weighted heavily on the squad and has yeah. given a rather huge anonymity to the early season proceedings. I don't know how much to take stock of that, though it seems like a convenient allowance that all of the squad can admit to having a 10-game food poisoning during his tenure. Giving Roll time to get his midfield set up has constantly reminded us that gorgeous Georgie Byers still has some class and bite in the middle of the park. Again, mixed results for being in the relegation zone here, B-. Mm, fair. How do you feel, Rich, because you're a man who's, I feel, you know, has a much better reading on things than I do? Um, I don't know about that. Well... Yes. But I, yeah, <laughs> I, I get to see quite a lot more. 
Yes, but like I, I mean, just, just I want to kind of ask you, just as a focus, how, how, how does this George Byers differ from the George Byers we have known previously? I think I might be wrong in this, but I I think he started the season injured. Yeah, Um, yeah, similarly, he. Um, and I think he sort of said as much himself. He sort of said, I've not really felt myself and now I feel like I'm back kind of thing. And he said that at some period um, when he was doing the the, the press junket uh, pre-match. Um, I've been frustrated because I just thought he was... So, I didn't have... In, if you listed the players and you had a group of players where you're like, uh, probably not good enough wonder how they'll get on kind of you know like you kind of categorize those players in terms of the step up i didn't think for a moment buyers would be somebody that would struggle with the step up i i you know he wouldn't have even been a a consideration i just would have thought he'll be fine he's 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 really good at everything and he'll be fine um i think he did have a slow start to things um to me he just he hasn't looked particularly comfortable in any of the systems that either of the managers have played uh that's not to say he's been bad but i don't feel like we're seeing the best of him uh still uh, under under role either um i just miss that player and arguably arguably i'm missing a player that doesn't exist because Mm. i just remember do you remember post injury buyers coming back into the squad in league one the the First season in League One, that guy was just unbelievable. He scored goals, he could tackle, he'd dribble, he'd pass, he did everything. And I don't know that we'd saw that he wasn't that last season, really. He had moments of that, um, but I think he was very good. Uh, but he wasn't that quite kind of like, I just, I mean, I thought that post, uh, when he came back into the squad kind of January, February time, I just, he, he was unbelievable. Um, so, I don't know whether I'm judging him against a a kind of career best purple patch that he will never match, but I do miss the guy that seemed to be so comfortable on the ball, seemed to be able to put in a hard tackle, kind of some of the best bits of Sam Hutchinson and Barry Bannon all in the one player, um, grab a couple of goals like it was nothing. You know, he'd score goals from distance, he'd he'd score headers, um, and I just don't feel like I'm seeing that same everything being no bother to him type player this season. Uh, hopefully it'll come, hopefully he'll become more kind of comfortable with this. I would probably prefer to see him. I think he's been lumped into the defensive role in, in midfield. I think Bannon gets quite often gets that sitting behind the striker type role. I don't think that's Bannon's best position. We've we've gone back and forth on Bannon, but I don't think he's very good at that. And I don't think he, he got the chance to play that yesterday and he wasn't very good at it. Um, I think I probably would prefer Byers there because Byers can shoot, which Bannon really can't um, mm. anymore. Um, and I, I feel like he would make just as many good passes. So I maybe it's a case again of him not being asked to do the things that would make the most sense for him. Uh, but I've been a little bit underwhelmed, a little bit frustrated by by George Byers. Although he's not let anybody down, mm. if that if that feels fair. Um, okay, next up, uh, an interesting, possibly divisive character is number thirty six. It's Devison Vasquez. Mm. Vasquez, 
By the way, thank you for attempting to pronounce it. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to call him Vasquez. <laughs> Um, the last player I came to review because I could just couldn't deal with the frustration of thinking about him has to be Vasquez. I guess I felt from Munoz's time, the only mild-flickering style was seeing Vasquez, Vasquez being mildly better than Cameron Dawson here. Speaking of twinkly stars, I recall being made a fool as a child in primary school, as I was among my peers being asked by a teacher whether stars actually twinkled. I decided that possibly they could and was told otherwise. A fair point, but maybe I believe in some magic and charm to our dour, dour northern lives, you sad teacher bastard. <laughs> if there is no twinkling, then maybe it is a toxic gas, similar to the murky Fletchergon, caused by the inability to do anything productive with the ball in defense. Once it is played out, that, that does the mild star of Vasquez some dirty. I think his omission from the number one slot is a little strange, as he is mildly better than Dawson and his distribution is very good. Since then, Dawson's stock has risen, and I can't see a way back into the side for him, though I do share his aggrievement for having his stock dwindled by Munoz's lack of football mentality. He gets a B for what I've seen from him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't really... I think Dawson coming back in when Roll started made sense because it was kind of an easy PR win. Like bringing Johnson back into the fold. There was yeah. a few things that, that were clearly done just to kind of like... If you want to get the fans on side, do X, Y, and Z. They'll lap it up kind of thing. And I think bringing Dawson back in was one of those because there'd been quite a lot of criticism of Vasquez, and I think he'd let in quite a lot of goals. Um, but as you say, that's against the backdrop of uh, that was a horrible team. Everybody looked bad in it because they were, mm. they were managed by a, a completely useless person. Um, so I think... St- like statistically, they've played a very similar amount of football, and um, Vasquez is is markedly better in terms of the number of shots on his goal that he saved uh, compared to Dawson. Um, like it's a provable thing. In addition to that, we've got the fact that yeah, his dis- the distribution seemed like quite markedly better, um, yeah. Yeah. and. Um, I'm slight. I am slightly aggrieved. We haven't seen him play under under role. I think. I wonder if there's the possibility he's going to get sent back now. Because what's the point in him sitting on our bench if you're if you're Milan? Um, and I wonder if that's that's why he's not got played. Is the decision is actually we can do a bit better. Um, I think the tra- the tragedy of the, of the the keeping situation is if say Dawson is a. This is very kind of. Uh, um base level stuff but if you look at like kind of fifa ratings or whatever if dawson is say a 70 i think vasquez is maybe 72 or 73 like he's not markedly yes dawson is not good enough and vasquez isn't that much better um and i think that's been the that's the real sort of the the ball that has been dropped in terms of our recruitment in the summer is we should have been able to do much much better than, mm-hmm. and we haven't um and maybe in january we've we've picked out somebody who will be that much better um and so rather than muddy the water um we've just stuck with dawson because it, it, it's working to an extent um yeah it's hard to say with vasquez because i'd like to see him under the better manager under the better team but uh it's not going to happen um so yeah, yeah. and i i feel like for the elements of like his distribution I, I mean that's an interesting thing when we will get on to talking about cameron dawson 
we'll be we'll be next episode. I think we're getting into that one. Yes. Um, but distribution is a big thing. Like Vasquez has it a lot better than than Dawson. But it's just it's it's the fact that like it's I can't quite enunciate what the difference is, but it, it, the difference is very much there in the teams that we're playing. We actually look like we can do something and build something from the yeah. back. But I felt we were doing that under Munoz, and it was just just very very lacking. So it's instantly yeah. putting us back under pressure, and that's just adding even more stress on the the lens of looking at how Vasquez is doing with that. Yeah, I, it, interestingly, I have seen statistics showing that Dawson's long passes are like some of the most successful in the league. But a, a big part of that is, is that he's been partnered with Callum Patterson, who just competes for absolutely everything. Um, mm. So Patterson getting himself on the end of your hoofed ball whether it's long or short or 60 feet away from where it's supposed to be, um, counts as a successful pass for you if he gets himself there. Um, And he invariably does get himself there, Mm -hmm. Um, which is something that uh, Vasquez didn't have at all. He was playing it to Gregory, who is an undersized, uh, (laughs) almost immobile uh, forward at this stage. And um, Munoz, one of the first decisions he made was that that Patterson wasn't a forward. Um, so uh, he didn't have the benefit of that. And I, I, I would I would like to see that combination, but also I I would like to see a better goalkeeper than both of these two come in. And uh, I think we, we, the whole team would benefit from that. And that, fingers crossed, that is one of the first bits of business that we do, but we'll see. Mm. Um, I, th- I think we should set aside a little bit of time for uh, aimless transfer speculation at the end of the, the second episode. So maybe we look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last one for this episode is number six, Dominic Iorfa. <laughs> we end on Dominic Iorfa. Oh, joy. What a great place. Uh, <laughs> Big Dom is next up in line to be judged. And I must say that maybe I'm softening in my old age, but I'm probably enjoying Iorfa the most I have done in quite some time. And maybe for the monumental eye I've drawn up before for Dominic, that light might be characterized by a warm and benevolent anonymity. Characteristically, it is the nature of his being a centre back in place in the limelight of a good in the limelight, similar to a good refereeing performance. No heat from anything poor at the end of a day, we can feel no animosity as a referee. So kind of looking at that and that element to look at his positives, I think Iorfa has been a decently consistent performer. I like some of his attacking now, getting forward and causing a little bit of mayhem in their box. And I think weirdly looking at a season where we have had a very flat back four, seeing him as a solid flanking fullback is added some rigidity when we needed it. <laughs> I can't recall too many troubles, and I think he gets a B for his efforts. I think if there are some star moments and performances, then we can almost deem from the, that, that the prodigal young talent is maybe back. But let's slow mm-hmm. our roll here and see how the rest stands out. What a grade are we? I gave him a B for his efforts just before for kind of going into that extra bit about seeing that. Oh, sorry. Back. No, no, that's totally fine. I've kind of gone slightly outside the um, standard, but you know, I would do that for Dominic Iolfa because Dominic Iolfa. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he's been a real, uh, yeah, he's been a revelation, I think. You know, looking mm, at who's mm. going to be. Who's going to struggle? I think he might have been on that list of people that you might suspect would struggle. Uh, but by and large, even under the bad regime of uh, of Munoz, he's he's done all right. He's been all right. Um, and uh, yeah, I've loved the the bursts forward. 
Um, we've also seen those from from Bernard from time to time, who we'll get onto uh, in the next episode. So um, yeah, I'm uh, I've been pleased with him. I'm disappointed that he's picked up another seemingly significant injury. He's not, he's one of these players that doesn't doesn't do short breaks. Uh, when he's out, it tends to be for a long period of time, and and uh, I, yeah, I don't know what his expected time back is, but uh, it's a it's a shame. Um, but he's had a yeah, he's had a good season thus far. So uh, yeah, well done to to Dominic Iorfa. So we are going to shut down this episode and pick things up uh, for another another follow up episode. So we will say cheerio for now. Look after yourselves, folks. Yep. Thanks, everybody. I'll. Um, I think we're going to put this one out just before just before the new year. So I would like to wish everybody. Hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas or festive period. I yes. hope you enjoyed the winter solstice. I hope you are relaxing. I hope you treated yourself. I hope you've looked after yourself and showed some care and compassion to yourself and the people that you love. And uh, like the two-headed Janus, we will see you on the other side in the new year in 2024. Lovely. Lovely. Thank you. Cheerio, folks. As you enter the dimly lit smoke-filled tavern, the air is thick with the scent of aged wood and spiced ale. Through the haze, you notice a figure who commands attention, not by stature, but by presence. This is Sal Bibo, known throughout the lands as the finest goalkeeping coach, a title he has earned through countless battles on fields more perilous than any warrior's. He sits alone at a corner table, his gaze fixed on a worn leather ball that seems to hold untold stories. His attire is simple yet functional, befitting a man more accustomed to the training grounds than the courts of kings. His eyes, sharp and discerning, flicker up as you approach, appraising you in a moment. As you draw nearer, you can't help but notice the scars on his hands. A testament to a lifetime of guiding the mightiest goalkeepers. His voice, when he speaks, is firm yet inviting, echoing the depth of his experience. Sit, traveller, he beckons, gesturing to the chair across from him. You look like someone in need of wisdom. What brings you to Salbibo, the guardian of the goalposts? In this smoky tavern, Amidst tales and whispers, your first encounter with Saul Bibo unfolds, marking the beginning of a journey filled with unexpected lessons and legendary feats on the field of play.